but I think most people respond better if if you can demonstrate technical expertise, but you can talk like a human. And if you're able to really understand them, ask them good questions, um, and be emotionally invested in, in them having a good outcome, that generally is a good thing. Welcome to Elements of Styles, the business podcast that trades in scarce thinking for community, conversation, and ideas in abundance. Each week, I, Mark Styles, sit with professionals and entrepreneurs, both local and global, and learn how they each add value to their communities, their partners, and their teams. Please enjoy. Hey, folks, welcome back to Elements of Styles. Today, I'm grateful to have Loris Lambergs of Renaissance Wealth Advisors. That's an RIA. They're located in the Metro West portion of Boston and handle all of the markets in that area. Hey, Loris, welcome to the show. Mark, it's a pleasure to be here. Great to see you again. So good to see you. Even albeit virtually, it's good to see you. It's good to put eyes and vocals on it. It is true. We've been going on, we've known each other 20 plus years now, Mark, if you can choose to believe it. So I do believe thing, it. We were we were young and handsome back then. I guess now we're just stuck with being handsome. So I guess that's <laughs> the curse we have. Which is why this is Audible only, folks. This is Audible only. Face for Radio, says I. Uh, let me ask you a question, Loris, because um, we have known each other for a while and you've got an amazing journey, which we're we're going to hopefully see that and hear the path to that. But what's an RIA? What does that stand for? Sure. You mentioned it when you described the, the type of firm that I have. So RIA stands for Registered Investment Advisor. That is a particular type of investment or wealth management company. And they're governed by a certain set of standards and rules that differ from a traditional or larger firm that I'm sure your audience is familiar with, like a Merrill Lynch or an LPL or Commonwealth. So an RIA is required to act uh, in its client's best interest. And that affects everything that we do from how we charge for what we do, to the types of services we can provide, to the types of products that we can sell or not sell. So uh, at the end of the day, one of the cool things about this industry is the client has a lot of choice. Uh, and the RIA model um, is really important for those who want uh, a financial partner, someone who works in their be- best interests, who sits on the same side of the table as them, and, and really tries to help them find solutions as opposed to just find products or um, other types of investments. Does that make sense, Mark? It does. And that's the differentiator. It's it's not a product-based sales role. It's more of a professional financial partner. Correct. So we we don't charge fee, uh, we don't charge commissions for what we do. Uh, we charge a fee, and we can do it in a couple of different ways. It can be based on the amount of assets you have with us, or a, a monthly uh, flat fee. But the important thing is we're in, we're not incented to buy and sell stuff to make more money. That uh, even if the right thing to do is to do nothing, that's the advice we want to give you, and that's one of the important differences between an RIA and other types of models. Not to suggest that other non-RIAs don't give good advice and, and can't get you good products and services, uh, but f- fundamentally, an RIA is required to act in your best interest, and uh, that just make sure that they give you the advice that they think is the best at that time, and not that which necessarily gets them the most uh, commission or, or fees. So that's the differentiator. That's the big difference, yep. To act in their best interest. Correct. You are fiduciary, for good or for bad, and so you got to do what your client's in their best interest. That's really interesting. You would assume all of them were fiduciaries. No. So the standard for a long time has been one of suitability, which means that the advisor had to look and see if the choice, the investment or the service uh, was appropriate. But what's appropriate is not always what's in the client's best interest. And uh, again, it just 
you want to make sure that there's alignment between the client and the advisor and the RIA model uh, mandates that for lack of a better word. So it's just, it's, it's a better fit for a lot of clients. Certainly for my partner and me, it was critical that, um, you know, we be fully aligned, that there be no hint or risk of, you know, misalignment. And that's really important for us. Yeah. I would, I would imagine if one partner has a different mindset around compensation and servicing clients than the other, it's not really a partnership made made for long-term. Correct. And, and, you know, so, you know, for my partner and me, when we came together uh, a couple of years ago, we, first of all, we've known each other since third grade, you know, so my partner oh, cool. and I grew up, we played soccer together. You know, he used to give me atomic wedgies and cheat off me in seventh grade science. <laughs> I tried to hit on all his girlfriends. So, you know, my classic story, oh, uh, you know, we kind of went our own ways, uh, you know, sort of in high school and afterwards, but reconnected professionally uh, five, six years ago, and, you know, found that we had a lot of um, common things, shared values, shared vision for what we wanted to do, and uh, had very complementary skills. So in coming together, though, when we thought about the type of business model that was going to be important to us, things like being an RIA, being a fiduciary was a, a, a you know a non-starter for both of us. And we came to that, you know, ind independently, but it was uh, reaffirming that as we sat there and, and thought about how we want to work together with our clients, uh, that we always wanted to do what's in our client's best interest. And that's where the RIA model is just uh, a great way to get that done. That's really cool. Now you found your way to Renaissance Wealth Advisors on a long journey. How, tell, me, tell me where that path began and how you found your way into the RIA sure. space. Yeah, so professionally, um, you know, I started at Deloitte & Touche a uh, long time ago. Um, and I found at the time that, you know, the uh, public accounting world, um, there's good and bad in it, right? The good is they teach you a technical toolkit of tremendous skills. You learn how businesses are built, you know, cash flow and balance sheets and how critical those are to being successful or not. Um, but it's a really hard lifestyle. And uh, after three years of working at Deloitte and then Pricewaterhouse, I just decided that it's a, it's a hard place to, to have a life, uh, family life, and any kind of work balance. So I decided to, to come to a different part of the financial services industry, which in that time was um, mutual fund sales. So I, uh, my dad had been in the business. He had some old friends, and I was able to get a job you know, calling on advisors like I am today and trying to get them to look at um, you know, my company's mutual funds and, and products. So the cool thing about that was um, I spent the better part of 10 years in, in, that, uh, in that space. And I, I think I did a pretty good job of learning how to think about allocating capital. Mm. When you're a, an investor, when you're a, a you know, wealthy person, you know, one of the questions you have to solve for is you've got resources, you've got assets. How do you allocate them in a way that makes sense for you? Uh, and there are a lot of moving pieces there. Um, the other thing that uh, sales, and this is something I think you know, Mark, uh, that piece of it teaches you how to deal with the public, you know, how to, right. how to learn to, to understand, to be an active listener, to be empathic, uh, to be present in the conversation, all of the, the, the uh, qualitative stuff that goes into, you know, building good relationships. And uh, so for me, that was a great way to sort of get started, to, to learn about a very technical area of the business, allocating capital, but then they combine it with, you know, trying to, trying to work with people as humans. Um, I was fortunate, had a, had a good 10-year run in that world and and then spent um, the better part of a decade in the family office space. Oh, in cool. I didn't offices. realize that. I think we might have yeah, uh, gapped yeah. right there. So yeah. where, where were you doing that? We were that? in jail for a while. So <laughs> I, <laughs> oh, my goodness. Good to, good to see yeah, you. Yeah, so 
Yeah, exactly. And that's why I'm glad we're on Zoom, not in person. Um, so the family office will just, just take a quick step back yeah. you know, for those who may not know. Uh, a family office is a, a special type of wealth management or investment management uh, business that works with a very small number of very wealthy people. And there's no strict definition, but normally family offices work with families who have upwards of 25 plus million in, in net worth. So you know, really wealthy people. There's a lot of complexity that goes into that, not just investing, but estate planning and insurance and risk management. Um, so there's a lot of complexity that requires real technical and, and uh, you know, thoughtful expertise. So I had the good fortune of getting connected with um, a family office down in Greenwich, Connecticut. Um, and that family office had both a, a, a investment management arm as well as a consulting arm. And what was really appealing to me was the consulting work that uh, this, this company was doing, where we met with these very wealthy families and try to help them organize themselves to make thoughtful decisions around their wealth. And you know, one of the takeaways I learned, you know, sitting in, in meetings with some families who were worth literally billions of dollars is the same stuff that gets in, you know, sort of normal people's way, quote unquote, gets in the way of wealthy people. There's just more zeros at the end of the bank account. Um, all of the emotions, all the communication, all of the the, the foibles and challenges and, and frustrations that go into just living is just as relevant for families um, in the billions as they are for people you know, struggling to, to meet their bills on a monthly basis. Um, so that, that was a really wonderful experience. I loved it. You know, got to work with some tremendous people. And I think those two sort of uh, facets of my professional experience, the sort of technical piece of allocating capital at the beginning and then the facilitation piece in the family office world you know, really informed me as I sort of wanted to create my own firm that you know, it was the combination of the quantitative and the qualitative. It was the technical and the relational. It was the IQ and the EQ. You got to get them both. That you know, Certainly, you can be wonderful in this business, as you know, as, a, as just being a technical wizard. Um, but I think most people respond better if if you can demonstrate technical expertise, but you can talk like a human. And if you're able to really understand them, ask them good questions, um, and be emotionally invested in, in them having a good outcome, that generally is a good thing. And um, you know, for both John and myself, that was a critical piece of you know what we wanted to do for Renaissance. It's communication, right? It's it being able to effectively communicate whether they have billions of dollars or struggling to create a budget to make sure they're filling their 401k effectively from the start, right? It's how do I meet that that learner where they are, right? Exactly. And, you know, being open-minded and empathic and, and acknowledging and understanding that um, we're all human. We've all got our own challenges. We do some things well. We are challenged with other things. And you know, trying to avoid making uh, preconceptions or, or you know, enter each situation and, you know, um, and try to do the best for the family and, and acknowledging that you need to meet the, the client where they are yeah. and that they may not fully be where you'd like them to get to. And they sometimes need to go at a pace that is slower than you want. But again, that's one of the nice things about, again, that RIA model is we, we want alignment, not just between us and the client, but within the client. You know, if it's a couple, if it's a married couple or a family or, or whatever the case is, you know, trying to make sure that some of it, again, the technical pieces work, but you're really helping understand and helping the couple understand and, and be confident and comfortable with the decisions that we're making. Um, because some of the stuff gets, it's tough, it's complicated, you know, tax planning and estate planning and investments 
all that stuff is 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 not easy. And you know, other people are tremendous professionals at other things. You know, doctors and teachers and all sorts of other things. And you know, they don't need to learn this stuff. And I think that's where you know what John and I do. We can help them. And uh, that's one of the greatest satisfactions of what we do is you know seeing people get to that place where there's just relief that they're going to be okay. Yeah. And, you know, that's sort of a nice feeling. And again, I know you see it as well with your business too. But you, you do, you visually see it, right? There's the stress, the unknown, the maybe I should understand this. I mean, I'm intelligent. Maybe, maybe I understand. But then there's the pain aspect, right? So then it becomes pain avoidance. Like I don't understand this. So I'm going to put this on the back burner for now. Correct. I mean, so the research I've seen is people experience pain uh, twice as strong as they feel pleasure. Yeah. And that, that affects a lot of the things that we do individually. It also affects a lot of what, you know, John and I do with our firm is, you know, people tend to overreact to losses. And this year is a wonderful example. You know, this year, the, the market, as you know, is down, you know, 15 to 20%. It was down as much as 25. International markets were down more. Hell, even bonds were down 15%. And folks, for, for perspective, if you're listening to this five, 10 years from now, this is right before the Thanksgiving Day holiday 2022 that we're talking about what's going on. Exactly. And we're living in a world at the moment of 8% inflation, and that's caused a lot of that pain. But people more viscerally react to when they're down 20% than when they're up 20%. Because you know, mm -hmm. people have forgotten that from 2009 to you know 2020, when COVID hit, the market was up 400% over that 10-year run. It was a wonderful stretch. Uh, but people don't feel that as much as we're now down 20%. So you know, a lot of what John and I do um, you know, could be considered behavioral finance. We try to affect people's behaviors. You know, crudely said, we try to get between people and stupid. We want to help them avoid stupid mistakes. Interesting. Uh, because people, people respond viscerally and emotionally to bad feelings. And um, you know, part of our process is we try to take the emotion out of it. Um, and it generally is helpful. I would think that would be immensely helpful because that's really what it is, is emotion. Do I have enough, right? It's it's uh, the hierarchy of needs. Am I going to be safe enough? Do I have what I need to retire? Yeah, that's uh, that's got to be really rewarding. No, absolutely. And, and, you know, again, I get back to one of the best satisfactions we have is when we sit down with a, a client who may have been with us for just a little while, but came to us and, you know, were approaching or recently in retirement and didn't know if they were going to have enough. And in some cases, it could be because there's a divorce or, you know, they could be widowed or, you know, a widower and it's, they don't know they, 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 you know, they've got a, a sum of money and it's, you know, they're worried about, you know, running out of it and what that would mean to their lifestyle. And, and, um, you know, it, it provides, uh, an almost indescribable amount of satisfaction and pleasure when we're able to sit down and then see that person recognize that they're going to be okay. You know, it's ended up in tears on more than one occasion because they're just it, it's it's a, it's peace of mind. It's the release of worry and they're going to be OK. And, uh, you know, in that regard, you, you ideally you'd, you'd like to be able to do well by doing good. And I think at the core of our of our job is we try to do good for our clients. And, um, you know, I think that's one of the cool things about what we do is, you know, we're we're hopefully a net deliverer of, you know, good things, you know, honest, good things into the world. So that's a nice place to be. I love that. I love that. Now, listen, you've traveled a bit. You were even living overseas for a while. Tell us about that. Correct. So um, I was, I'm from Boston originally, born and raised in Medfield with my again partner, John, went to Zavarian 
and then had the good fortune um, after completing my time at, uh, at Duke University to, to head over to Latvia. And Latvia is probably not a place very familiar with you know, most people, but um, you know, both my parents are off the boat immigrants, my mom from Canada, my dad from Latvia. So you know, this was uh, at, at a period of time when Glasnost and Perestroika and Mark, for good or for bad, you and I are of an era when we remember Perestroika and Glasnost. Um, and it was an opportunity to sort of go back and see what that part of my heritage was about. And I didn't speak the language growing up. I uh, went over there and um, you know, was just blown away with how dynamic and interesting and, and uh, different a place it was from the U.S. at that point. This was sort of immediately after the fall of the wall and it was cowboy capitalism and there were uh, you know, everything from mafia running down the street to just tremendous opportunities to, to, to create new companies, whatever the case was. So you know, I lived there for four years, um, ended up getting my master's in business administration from a local university, um, met my now wife. Um, and, you know, it was, um, uh, you know, sort of the follow the old, uh, the old expression of, you know, you, you want to take the path less followed. I think at the time that was a, a pretty less followed path. Uh, and it inspired a great deal of curiosity and, and passion in me about, you know, uh, the world beyond the U.S. And I had been a French major in college, so have an appreciation for languages. And then even coming back to the States, where I've been, you know, essentially for 20 years, um, you know, my wife and I, it's important that we travel. Our kids have tried to see, you know, multiple countries. You know, I've been to 49 states, and I think it's 40-something countries and six continents. Wow. And, you know, I, I think it's important to see the world beyond, you know, our immediate landscape. And there's so much interesting and, and wonderful things. There's a lot of pain in the world as well with what's going on in the Ukraine, for instance. But um, you know, one of the cool developments of the last 30 years is just how much easier it is for us to get out there and see the world. You know, mm. it's harder for us, you know, in the 80s to try to get out there and travel. It was costly and it wasn't as easy. Whereas now there's not many places you can't get to. And um, I think that appreciation for different languages and cultures and um, you know, sort of lifestyles is just something that's always fascinated me. And that spills over into what I do at work. And, and um, you know, it's just something I always want to be part of my life. And I think I'll be fortunate that, you know, good health willing and good Lord willing, I'll, I'll be able to do so. And until they carry me out horizontally, so to speak, Mark. So how do you know whether it worked? How do you know in 10 years whether this experiment that you're working with your partner has worked? So, yeah, it's interesting, you know, as John and I put our business together, you know, we, we gave some thought to, you know, what do we want Renaissance to be? And, you know, one thing I think we was important to us, we always want to know all of our clients deeply, you know, intimately. We really want to be life partners. We want to know what makes them tick, what their, you know, what's important, what their fears and anxieties are. And at some point, you can't do that once you hit a certain number of clients. You know, so for John and for me, you know, our, our business plan is we're going to grow until we get to 200 clients. And then we stop actively bringing on clients. So we're about a third of the way there. We've been around for just under four years. So, you know, I think we've had really um, impressive growth. You know, we work with some wonderful people. These wonderful people now connect us to new clients who are, you know, wonderful still. And, and uh, you know, so our U.S. business, I think, is, is, is a wonderful example of, you know, when good people come together and are able to do something that's of value. And uh, so, you know, we're going to continue to grow it. You know, pace is important. And, you know, I think we get there, there being, you know, 200 clients that we know deeply and, and are able to, to have a wonderful lifestyle and, and do wonderful things for our clients. But where it gets interesting is uh, I'm also in the process, and this is where the international piece comes in, Mark, um, 
of uh, co-founding what will become not just Latvia's, but Eastern Europe's first wealth management firm. And one distinction you know, that I think it's important to draw between an investment management firm and all an investment management firm does really is just run your money. They buy stocks or bonds, they can invest it, but there's not much else that they do. Wealth management is a broader, uh, is a broader concept. So it includes investment management, but it includes financial planning. It includes creation of a plan, thinking through things like retirement, education, income, uh, legacy. It, it thinks about things like risk management. It thinks about things like tax, things about things like estate planning. It thinks about uh, real estate. There's a lot of variables that go into our lives as financial beings and um, wealth management covers them all. And uh, so there are none of those firms currently in, in Eastern Europe. And, um, you know, with two partners in Latvia, we're in the process of, of putting that together. And, uh, you know, it's a long process. The, the, the regulators are really kicking the tires. But, you know, I think we're confident that the need over there is just as great, if not greater than it is here for someone to be alongside you and give you thoughtful advice. So we're excited about it, but we'll see how it plays out. That is amazing. I love the multinational connection with your past and and your love for that country too and helping. But I did catch something and I'm certain that our listeners caught it too. You said 49 states. Which yep. state in our great nation? I have you? yet yeah, I have yet to go to Hawaii. So oh, okay. uh, and so I've got a I've got two children. I've got a 29-year-old daughter and a 16-year-old son. And my son has uh, got the travel bug as well. And so he and I, have, he has been to 46 states. Wow. So I have committed to him before he graduates high school uh, a year and a half from now that he will also uh, have been to all, all 50. So uh, he's got a couple more to go. We're going to get rid of them. And then as a family, we're um, optimistic or hopeful we'll be able to get to Hawaii uh, next Christmas. So we'll see that. how that plays out. But then that'll be 50. And then I need to think about how do I get to West, uh, Antarctica? Because then that'll be the last sort of, then I'll have you know, all seven continents, but wow. that's harder to get to. So we'll have to see how that one plays out. That's a life well lived, my friend. Really, truly. I just love traveling. It's such a cool thing. Yeah, it is. It is. Hey, so let me ask you this. Client finds you, Renaissance Wealth Advisor, Wealth Managers. They sit with you. They engage with you. And a couple of years from now, they say, you know what? This has been so great. I want to sit down on the Google machine and I want to write a review or I want to go on Facebook. I feel a desire to write a review for these folks. Tell me what that says. Sure. So I, I would trust that they would speak to a couple of things. Um, you know, the first is that, you know, John and Loris have taken the time to really get to know me, us, our life goals, uh, how we want to do what we do. They've helped us at a pace that was acceptable and worked for us. Um, I trust they would speak to the the robustness of our process. You know, so one of the things I haven't provided much detail on, although I've spoken to it a little bit, is you know John and I have an eight step process, and it's built around helping our clients identify, create, and sustain long term financial well being, where the client defines what that long term financial well being means. And for a lot of people, as you know, it could be early retirement, it could be traveling, it could be funding children's or grandchildren's education, it could be uh, lifestyle, it could be a car collection. Up to them. I'm agnostic as long as it's not illegal. So as long as they're they know what they want to do. My job is to help them get there or to help them make decisions along the way um, that increases the odds of them being successful. 
So some of that, again, is quantitative. There's a lot of uh, number crunching John and I do from uh, uh, financial planning, income planning, education planning, uh, healthcare planning, a lot of the investments, a lot of the tax work, a lot of the estate planning work, uh, a lot of the insurance work. But then a lot of it is qualitative, as we've talked about. So it's helping foster and facilitate communications between spouses, between parents and children, if there's business partners, if there are other siblings. Um, it's thinking about things like helping our clients develop an understanding of what we're doing. Every client you know, doesn't have to get to the same level of understanding of all the details, but I just want to make sure that they understand what what we're doing and why at some level. And, and so we meet them. We, we help them educate themselves. We do age-appropriate education for their children because um, most parents want their children to be good stewards of the wealth that they inherit. And, you know, so we think about things like legacy and charitable ends. Um, and it all ties in, again, to that long-term financial well-being, create, sustain. Uh, so I, in that in that review or in that uh, Google machine description, you know, I, I would hope and trust that that's what they would speak to is that you know John and I came in, listened deeply, asked some good questions, helped them figure out what it is they want to do, and then did it with them. You know, whether that's two years, ten years, fifty years, you know, we want to think generationally. And yeah, that's a really cool thing. It's it's a really fun, satiating part of the work that we do. I bet, I bet that is. That sounds really rewarding. So as you know, Loris, after listening to a couple of the other podcasts, there's one question I always ask because I think it's really, really fascinating uh, with respect to moving your comfort zone, right? So a lot of people jump on the podcast and like, I don't know what to expect, but I'm going to give it a go. I'll try it. Karaoke. Yep. Karaoke has that same vibe of, okay, I'm going to do this. Why not? What's the worst thing that could happen? Loris, you're up on stage. What are you singing? So I'm a fan of sort of alternative 80s music. So cool. that's sort of how I roll. And, and the the sad and... Um, like the Pixies? Uh, Pixies, OMD, the Smiths, REM, early cool. REM, early U2, Talking Heads. Um, you know, I've even gotten into Roxy music the last couple of years. Now there's some, there's some Latvian music I've gotten to know over time, but my sort of, uh, I, my developmental ability for music ended in like 1992 somewhere. And I don't I know why it. just, you know, I love it. maybe I was dropped a lot as a kid or something like that, Mark, but you know, so that's what I sort of go to. And, um, what's ironic is my family is filled with, uh, musically talented people. My grandmother was an opera singer. My wow. dad was the first violin in the Boston Children's Orchestra. My son's a tremendous cello player. They all had perfect hearing. I'm awful at it. It's great. <laughs> I I sound like a dog. So you know, I you know, as long as you can handle that, then you know, getting up in stage, I got I got no worries about it. So I love but that's it. what I go to. I love it. So so maybe at Robert Smith, you uh you turn around, turn your back, or was that Morrissey who used to turn his back to the stage and sing? Yeah, Morrissey is a bit of a prima donna. Robert Smith was another one, but he was a slightly different type of prima donna. No, Morrissey, who literally just walked off the stage in Los Angeles uh, last week after a 25-minute concert. So some things don't ever change, Mark. So, mm. so uh, you won't be singing the Smiths. What will you sing? Uh, uh, what, what, I, name a group from that era. I guess we'll try to think of a song together. Right? What, which one, what can we do? Let's do it in stereo. Let's do this. What was your first concert? First concert was Squeeze. Ah, so maybe tempted, yeah, tempted, or black tempted. coffee in bed. Yeah, should we? I, I gotta, I, I gotta remember the words though. Do you have words in front of? No, that's they, they, that's the beauty of karaoke. They put it up on the screen, so well, I you know. can read it. 
you can yeah. read it. So you've never done karaoke. I have done no, I have done karaoke, but okay. I, right here we don't have the words in front of us. So I, I'd be. What I'd, did you uh, What did you sing when you did karaoke last time? Uh, well, it was I was in Latvia at the time, so I was I sang REM, and what was interesting it was cool. a bar in Latvia, and now everybody speaks English in Latvia. It's it's a it's you know you can get around no problem. When I was there, very few people spoke English, so it was great for me to learn the language. I had no choice; I had to learn Latvian. But you would go out to a karaoke bar. And I would sing, and then I was the only one who had a normal "quote unquote" English accent. Everyone else had a, you know, god awful. You know, they just learned English in the last three months, so you know, they heard me singing like, uh, you know, that's me in the corner, uh, you know, losing my religion by yeah. like, yeah, okay, this guy's this guy's not local, obviously. So, uh, but not the worst outcome in life, Mark. No, it's fun, isn't it? And that was a great band too. Most important question of them all, Oris. Mm -hmm. If someone wants to work with you if they're jogging listening to this some friend shares it with them walking the dog and they're listening to you and they say wow I'd, i i want to have an appointment with loris and talk about my finances how would they get in touch with you sure a uh, couple of ways so you know clearly the website's a great place to go take a look describe what we do who we are uh, that's www.rw-advisors.com www rw-advisors.com. Uh, you can also send us an email, info at rw-advisors.com. Uh, or you can also give us a call, which is going to be... Grab a pen, folks. Here's your opportunity to grab a pen. 617-663-5595. I love it. And folks, if you are panicking to write that down, fear not, open up the show notes. Thomas will put it in there and you can click right through and dial right in and set an appointment with Laris and Renaissance Wealth Advisors and, and find your path to success with your financial Sherpa, Laris. Consigliere or Sherpa, those are wonderful uh, analogies, Mark. That's generally like, that's a good, that's a good call. I love it. I love it. Hey, I appreciate you coming on the show, my man. I really do. It was great. It was. Uh, it took a while to get you on here, but it was worth every second. Absolutely. And I, I would say this. I, I thank you for having me here, Mark. And I'd also thank you for 20 years of doing great work for me and my family as we've gone through a number of real estate transactions. You and your team are exceptional at what you do. And there's a reason I keep coming back. So and it, it ain't your your long flowing hair either. So you know, we'll have that. <laughs> I, I appreciate, appreciate it. I appreciate that. And I'm grateful for you saying that. Folks, this has been another amazing episode of Elements of Styles. If you enjoyed it, if you laughed, if you learned something, please, we encourage you to hit the share button and send that to a friend, business colleague, family member. Be well, folks. Hey, thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to subscribe on your platform of choice for a new episode each week and share this with everyone and anyone. If you have any questions or comments or have an idea for another guest, feel free to shoot me an email at mstyles at styles-law.com. That's M-S-T-I-L-E-S at styles-law.com. And if you are a real estate professional, be sure to check us out on our private exclusive Facebook page, The Real Estate School at 892 for content and Massachusetts continuing education opportunities. Be well, folks. Today's episode is sponsored by Securitidal. Securitidal helps Massachusetts real estate attorneys, real estate agents, loan professionals, buyers, and sellers with all of their title, settlement, and escrow needs. Securitidal, S-E-C-U-R-I-T-I-T-L-E.com, where security and title come together. This podcast is being provided for informational purposes only. 
The podcast is not a comprehensive overview of the subject and is not intended to provide legal or financial advice or an endorsement of any product or business. The views expressed by podcast guests are their own and their appearance on the podcast does not imply any endorsement of them or any entity they represent. Please seek legal, financial, or tax advice before taking any action on the matters or products discussed herein.